Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. The desert in springtime. God's gift to the patient. If cactus blooms and carpets of wildflowers are the love of your life, patience is a virtue. The springtime stretches into July in some parts of the desert. Places like the Eastern Sierra, the Slick Rock Country, anywhere the winters are cold and occasionally snowy, the higher elevations. Spring is well underway in Tucson and Anza Borrego, well underway or nearly gone, it depends. Depends on the rainfall, depends on the last year or next year, depends on the increasingly weird variations caused by catastrophic climate change. Up here in my little corner of the desert, it is peak spring, and honestly, it's the first spring I've truly enjoyed up here in many years. Yes, it's been an exceptionally cool and wet early spring with more snow than I've seen up here in a decade, and a very steady delivery of storms that managed to make it over the mountains and bring some rainfall to this arid land. There's so much rainfall that I almost got used to it. Putting on this rain gear that's starting to crumble from age and lack of regular use. Lacing up the Marine Corps water-resistant rain boots. Toweling off the dog and convincing him to sit by the fire for a while afterwards when he'd really rather go jump in my bed and provide it with that nice, mildewy, wet smell of old, wet dog for the next week. And everything's blooming pretty good. But what's so sublime about it this year is the lack of people. For the first time since Joshua Tree National Park became a popular destination in about 2015, and up till last year with its astounding and terrifying 3 million annual visitors, this part of the world feels like what it's supposed to be. Protected wilderness. Sparsely populated and seldom visited public lands. The boonies. The middle of nowhere. The other day, pulling invasive mustard weeds around the house, I watched a pair of ravens giving absolute hell to a pair of nesting red-tailed hawks who live up in the big pine tree here itself a non-native 
planted, I guess, about a half century ago when the house I occupy was built. It sort of sticks out, but this is its home amongst the Joshua trees. Like myself, I'm not from here. Nobody's really from here. Until the Marine Corps base started to spread out during the war against Vietnam, getting the kids ready for the meat grinder over there, the whole high desert barely managed a few thousand inhabitants. Spread over an area a hundred miles across, 50 miles north to south. The population has risen at least tenfold since then, pushing 60,000 permanent residents now. Nearly all of them arrived in this century, the 21st, just in the last 15 or 20 years. Well, now that the visitors and the tourists and the weekenders are gone, it's just the people who were blown by the winds and wound up here. Some by choice, mostly by circumstance. A lot of visitors don't quite comprehend that this is a low-income rural area. More than 20% of the residents live in official poverty. The real number is greater. Only half the adults work, half don't. Even with California's better-than-nothing health care for the poor, 10% of us don't have any health care at all. Nearly 40% are renters, which has been a real rough game since the Airbnbs ate up the rental homes and turned them into $200-a-night vacation destinations until now. We have as many food banks as places with double the population. That's in part because people are so spread out here, especially as you go north into Landers and along the Marine Base boundary east into 29 and Wonder Valley. But the food banks are staffed by elderly volunteers mostly. And it has not been safe for them to be working in crowds. So half of our food banks are closed when the need is largest. And all the locations were routinely low on food anyway before this happened, before the outbreak. When our school district shut down a month ago now, the local board of education decided to keep the cafeterias open so that people could pick up a day's worth of food for their kids each morning if there was anyone available to drive a car to the school in the morning. You see, because otherwise half the kids would go hungry. We went to all no-cost lunch in our district a year or so back because even in our fend-for-yourself desert of people who mostly just want to be left alone... It was understood that making half the kids go hungry for lack of a couple of dollars to pay the lunch lady was an unnecessarily cruel system. And that's just here, my neighborhood. My little part of the world. 
It's about the same in every rural area around a desert national park across the southwest. It's a lot worse on the reservations. So it's just the residents out here for now. The residents and a really belligerent contingent of people who still show up here with their REI camping stoves and their late model SUVs and latest models of sleeping bags and dome tents who come here anyway because they figure they'll just camp on somebody's property or on Mojave Desert Land Trust Wildlife Preserves or in our understaffed and officially closed county natural areas. And boy, do these jackasses bray when they're told they can't set up their holiday camp here. Sure, use the ground as a toilet. Start up a wildfire with your firewood. And infect some 70-year-olds working at the Walmart when you go get more beer. Why not? Who cares? Who cares that the entire high desert has four intensive care beds and a little local hospital already struggling under the weight of an elderly and impoverished population? One in ten with disabilities. Who cares? Now, I've had a couple of people get up in my grill lately because, God forbid, I've posted a couple of pictures of wildflowers. Mostly in my backyard. First, I hope everybody's going outside and smelling the wildflowers. They're all over. This is a time of year when the California poppy springs up in every kind of untended bit of dirt. Whether it's between the boarded-up high-rises of Oakland or the boarded-up Caltrans-owned vacant houses of Los Angeles. Think of that. Vacant housing everywhere. And people living in parking lots. In Las Vegas, which has no tourists right now, they've got the homeless in parking spaces in the empty parking lots. Wouldn't want to let your fellow human beings use an empty hotel room and get some isolation from everybody else during a pandemic. Now, I know this will shock a lot of people who love Instagram because there aren't too many words to hassle with. But Joshua Tree National Park is a sliver of the Mojave. Now, while the Mojave is known as the smallest of the American deserts, this small little desert reaches from Los Angeles County to Death Valley to the Colorado River, to and through Las Vegas and up to Area 51 and over into the southwestern corner of Utah and the northwestern corner of Arizona is big. Is little, but it's big. You'll never see a fraction of it. 
and most people who live around my local national park rarely if ever visit it. Unless a relative's coming to town and you need to drive them through, wait in the traffic lines, etc. Same is true of most national parks. Some people just don't care one way or another. They just moved out of Long Beach after the Rodney King riots and kept driving until they could afford a homestead. These are the people with the Confederate flags flying over their two acres of wrecked cars and outdoor sofas, protected with eight-foot fences topped with razor wire. But a lot of people out here, most of them, love the desert. They love the quiet and the landscape and the extremes of heat and cold, the road runners and the quail, sleeping on the porch in the summer to the song of the coyotes. And it turns out pretty much anything in the park is also outside the park. Boulders and yuccas, hedgehog cactus, swollen with the rains, those strange tumor-like growths on top soon to transform into huge, beautiful flowers of bright red petals. The planets and the Milky Way in the night sky. The morning doves ineptly building their nests in the eaves. People walk with or without their dogs each day. Often just up and down the sandy dirt roads, waving to neighbors, picking up some trash, being good citizens. Sometimes up some casual trail under the boulders, they know when it's a good time to poke around the rocks and the brush before the rattlesnakes come out. And when it's a good time to stick to the open landscapes in the summer. They know how to tease a kitchen garden out of this harsh region. Mostly by ignoring all the full sun advice on your food crops. Because this sun will fry pretty much anything unless it has a lot of every day in the shade. And they've likely not been to Pappy and Harriet's in many years, if ever. They don't attempt to get a drink at the saloon unless it's about mid-August and 200 degrees out with the parking lot empty. And a lot of them, a lot of people I know these past few years, have packed up and left because it got crowded here. Occasionally attract the interest of a newspaper reporter looking for an excuse to spend a work day in the desert. And most of them have asked me what I like about Joshua Tree. What I liked about the high desert, the high des, 
Yucca Valley, 29 Palms. About favorite hikes in the national park, etc. I've mostly said politely, of course, because I've worked for newspapers myself and I generally enjoy the company of people in my trade now and then that I really don't like any of it. I live here because circumstance required me to live in something approaching civilization. It's not my ideal, living around so many people. But kids need to go to school, or they used to anyway. And my own little business, half-assed as it has always been, has benefited from the tourist trade, I can't lie about that. But... The day approaches. Not too long now. As soon as the last of my 17 children, all by different mothers, are out of high school and off on their various life adventures, When I will say goodbye to this too crowded place that's too close to too many people and retreat to my long planned retreat. Far away from here, but very much a desert place. Get thee to a desert place. Of course, I will continue doing whatever it is I do, a radio show, typing, maybe even publishing more issues of the Desert Oracle if we can manage to keep our postal service for another few years. And if not, who knows, maybe I'll deliver them myself. Once a year or so. Like that Kevin Costner. Maybe by then we can socialize again. I do love to see people in moderation every year or so. I'll bring the whiskey. And we can sit on the porch and visit a while. And then maybe take a walk with your various dogs before I have to hit the road again, get to the next delivery, just a couple of hours away. Now, there are characters out there on the social media, especially, who do get irate when you mention how nice it is in the wilderness without all the people. How pleasant it is to have a blue sky not full of car exhaust, to not have miles-long traffic jams to the ticket booth, to see wildlife returning to the wild places we've turned into motorized tourism centers. Now, 
Now, some of these people are soft in the head, it's true. And others are just dummies despite their well-off parents' best efforts at good breeding. But nonsense does have a way of taking over the discourse, as they say, maybe on the morning edition or whatever. Some things considered, both sides now. The skies are not blue again because people have suffered and died from the virus. The skies are blue again because human beings, even the most terrible human beings imaginable, have endorsed and enforced the public health plan to limit the rapid spread of the virus. And despite the thousand missteps, both intentional and accidental, the virus has been somewhat controlled. The reason bears and herds of mule deer are returning to Yosemite Valley in great numbers is because of society's decision to react to an emergency. It is an example of how we can take a short-term hit for the long-term health of society. And it is precisely the kind of good example we need to follow going into the necessarily rapid and worldwide end of fossil fuels and a full transition to a human civilization that uses clean, renewable energy and renewably powered transportation. And you know, if it takes fear of a worldwide pandemic to make people think twice about casually using the filthiest form of transportation, that's a passenger aircraft, well, so be it. Now, there are lots of good efforts already underway in Germany and California and other such nation-states otherwise bogged down by the company they keep at the moment. And unlike shutting down for the virus, a rapid transition to clean energy and clean transportation is going to create hundreds of millions of jobs. Good-paying, meaningful, fun jobs around the world. Jobs that are going to have pensions and unions and good benefits and public oversight and plenty of time off to enjoy life to enjoy the better world we are creating right now and if any of my professional environmentalist friends start saying well there's no truly clean energy and etc I'm going to climb out of this radio and whack you one and you'll deserve it. There is no perfection in human endeavor outside of maybe Georgia O'Keefe and Richard Wagner and Billie Holiday. Everything else is left to the rest of us knuckle-dragging dum-dums trying to do the best we can in the face of collapse and greed and uncertainty. 
No way is certain. If it was, there'd be no need to bother. Let somebody else do it. The way is certain. Now, one thing we're going to do, coming to a revolution near you and requiring you, is we're going to need to get the traffic jams out of the national parks. Regardless... If they're Honda hybrids or Tesla luxury pickups, it's time to open up the national parks to people. And shut the damn gates forever on the private vehicles. Which have no place in our most sacred places. The newspaper articles don't mention that part of Yosemite always has bears and deer and bighorn and mountain lions and clean air and peace and quiet this time of year. It's the High Sierra. The part that doesn't usually open up to vehicles until late spring or early summer. The valley is open all winter long, a thick sick stew of smog stuck under the inversion layer. Motorhomes and Mercedes belching out their diesel exhaust. Winding mountain roads packed with people headed in for the holidays. Well, guess what? You can still have holidays in Yosemite Valley. Just leave your vehicle outside. I mean, Edward Abbey laid it all out more than 50 years ago in his book Desert Solitaire. Consider what could be done with Yosemite Valley. At present, a dusty, milling confusion of motor vehicles and ponderous camping machinery. It could be returned to relative beauty and order by the simple expedient of requiring all visitors at the park entrance to lock up their automobiles and continue their tour on the seats of good, workable bicycles, supplied free of charge by the United States government. Let our people travel light and free. Their bedrolls, backpacks, tents, food, and cooking kits will be trucked in for them, free of charge, to the campground of their choice. Why not? The roads will still be there. Once in the valley, they will find the concessionaires waiting, ready to supply whatever needs might have been overlooked, or to furnish rooms and meals for those who don't want to camp out. The same thing could be done at Grand Canyon or Yellowstone or any of our other shrines to the outdoors. There is no compelling reason, for example, why tourists need to drive their automobiles to the very brink of the Grand Canyon's south rim. They could walk that last mile. Better yet, the Park Service should build an enormous parking lot about 10 miles south of Grand Canyon Village, as at Yosemite where our people could emerge from their steaming shells of steel and glass and climb upon horses or bicycles for the final leg of the journey. Pull down your copy of Desert Solitaire. I keep mine with the King James Version and the Shakespeare and all the other references you need to keep close at hand. 
From Amboy to Zizek's and across the great Mojave wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio. I'm your host, Ken Lane. We broadcast from Joshua Tree on Friday nights locally on our home station, family-owned and operated KCDZ 107.7 FM. Take care. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.